Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season 16, Couch Madness. Couch Madness. 16 shows enter, one emerges as the show we will watch for the remainder of our season. Who will win? Who will lose? Who will die? My name is Magellan and trust them because they actually know a few things. It's Alan. This is the part where the I want song transitions into a like I need song and I go like die, <laughs> die, die. die. <laughs> I'm going to kill that Magellan <laughs> and his damn dog. <laughs> hello. 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 Just wait till you get to our 11 o'clock number, huh? I It's currently 804, so it's going to be a while, but we might get there. I was telling a friend recently, or I was telling Six, the recent guest and friend of the podcast, Six, that the only one of the downsides of watching this much, Sim- well, two downsides of watching this much Simpsons stuff. Number mm-hmm. one, all of my references are only relevant to people over the age of 30. Number two, you slip into a Ralph Wiggum voice all the time. Number <laughs> <laughs> two, I switch in. <laughs> <laughs> Super Nintendo Chalmers. I was doing that. I was doing that way before I was watching The Simpsons. I, I love uh-huh. doing that voice. Uh-huh. Number two is I my humor is so annoying now because I just <laughs> <laughs> like 90s Simpsons humor is like ribald and goofy and like it depends on your audience who what part of it appeals to you. Like I tell my parents about like, oh, there's an episode where Homer catches a big fish and during a wedding retreat and his mom, you know, Marge gets mad. So he throws it back in love of her and they're mm-hmm. like, wow, sweet. And then I tell you, and it's like, the bee shops. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> funny line deliveries or like the less shame thing that we were doing before the pod. Like there's just so many. My brain is replete with good and bad Simpsons content right now. And it'll continue to be until I finish this meme initiative that I talked about last last episode. That's pretty fun. I have so many behind me and so many ahead. So, <laughs> God. I'm looking forward to way more uh, trips down memory lane. Hell yeah. I don't want to, you know, last week where I was like, should we check in on our fantasy basketball league every week? I don't want to do that anymore. You lost this week, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You fuck. (laughs) I had like, I was like, do I make a jingle if we're going to really do this every week? And then I didn't do that because I couldn't find one fast enough. But uh, I won my matchup. Thank God. That's what matters. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and I'm against my roommate this week, which is scary because he knows basketball, <laughs> but he doesn't know. But he doesn't know fantasy basketball, so I might have the advantage. Gee, mm. was yours close at least? Look, part of it, <laughs> part of it was I got some bad luck with like my star players being injured this week. You know, Tyrese Halliburton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, both of them are weren't doing super hot, and then freaking. I have two of the Celtics starters on my team and Joe Missoula decides in the middle of the second quarter that he's going to sit out all of his starters because they're playing a back to back and he thinks they're a little sleepy. I'm sorry, but I need Drew Holiday to get me some rebounds. That's all I got. Literally, as you were saying that, I got a notification from Fantasy Basketball. Drew Holiday has a more robust game than just rebounding, to be fair. Yeah, let's way. be so honey not really. I, I didn't it's mean okay. for you to catch strays in that that bit. Yeah, I only caught a few. Joel Embiid shakes his head in disbelief as he walks by seven foot four Victor Wembanyama before Spurs seventy six years game. 
Why, why is that a news story? <laughs> a dude goes, <sighs> and that's like, a headline. Write it up. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the last basketball t- talk for the night. I hope people believe me because we've got a lot of other things to discuss here. Indeed. We got football, cheerleading, <laughs> what other sports? Uh, Wish I could come with more jokes, but that's all I got. I feel like uh, Colonel Jack O'Neill would be into golf, but we don't have any canonical proof that that's true yet. I I bet we're going to get an episode where they're like swinging golf clubs, hitting golf balls into the open Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. They got to yeah. do more stupid, silly shit with the Stargate. Like <laughs> we try to play bad. We try to, oh, we're like, we're bowling. We pull into the Stargate. Throw a banana peel in there and see how many aliens we can trip. Yeah, exactly. The U.S. Army said we're allowed to throw our trash into the Stargate. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's Couch Madness. Two shows enter. One will win. You heard me say all that at the round beginning. Round two. Sing. You already know. It's round two. And here's the thing with round two. Okay. It shows that we watched the first episodes of or the first nights of television of um, in some cases. And now this is the second night of television that this show had in its existence. We are going through our eight winners of round one to narrow down from eight to four. And uh, this time around, we have our ninth seed Heroes, which defeated eighth seed Misfits in round one against our first seed Stargate SG-1, which defeated the 16th seed Alias back in round one all the way back at the beginning of the season before we had to go on hiatus for a little while so it's been a minute since we've hung out with either of these shows actually Mm -hmm. so we watched season one episode two of heroes which is called chapter two don't look back and episode two of stargate sg1 called the enemy within we'll talk about heroes first since it's the lower seated show the screenplay for this episode was written by tim kring it was directed by Alan Arkush, airing on October 2nd, 2006. Alan, what happened in Don't Look Back? You better not. Um, I wrote longer summaries for these because they're the second episode and I don't have to just give you the premise. More things happen in these ones. In this episode, we resume with the story of Nathan, who refuses to admit that he can fly. Peter Petrelli discovers that his father had depression and unfortunately took his own life. Someone in Mahinder's apartment plants surveillance bugs, but he and his father's friend discover them. Meanwhile, Hero finds a comic book that shows exactly what happened to him last episode, which appears to have written... the Or, sorry, the author of the comic book is Isaac, and he goes to his apartment uh, where he finds Isaac dead and then rolls the clock back. Uh, interesting. He's got time travel powers too. Nikki realizes that her mere alter ego, her mere alter ego is helping her in tough situations. And we also meet Matt, a cop played by Greg Grunberg, who can hear what people say before they say it. And he's arrested for a murder because thanks to his gift, he knows suspiciously too much about this murder. And Claire continues to hide the truth about her until her father, who is the evil man looking for our heroes, sees her tape where she shows her abilities big events magellan big things going on part two oh, yeah how are we feeling about heroes two episodes in the worst possible thing happened to me okay i i have to oh be clear God. i have to be clear about where i'm coming from right now okay. i am wearing a stargate sg1 quarter zip right Hell now yes. Gang, gang. I'm, I'm sitting in my office chair i thrifted this very recently i was excited to have it 
And there is a part of me that's like, we got to do this season so that I can make like I can really maximize this purchase. I can make my dollar work for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. And the worst possible thing happened to someone in that situation. Heroes had a good second episode. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. This what? show was it's there's something good going on here. Yeah. They're cooking. They're fully uh, cooking. They're fully cooking. I think we might have like varying feelings about the different character plots. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's one of those shows where the ensemble is kind of split up and doing their own things and they're going to converge probably in half a season or something. So for now, it it's really a roller coaster of, well, I en- I'm enjoying this story. I'm not enjoying this story. So we can break those down. But. It was better, more interesting and engaging than I expected it to be. Because I think I thought this show was a little campier than it is, um, which is kind of a knock against it also. It's like too gory, whatever. Um, But it surprised me with how much I was like, okay, heroes, I'm enjoying this. I'll have to actually give you a fair fight against Stargate SG-1. I don't know, what do you think of of this one? Uh, I watched both of these at work, which kind of led to me feeling flat about them in general. But I was like, let me di- like separate myself from the method that I watch them and come to them realistically. Uh, I think Heroes is fun. I'm just really weary about how long this one is going to keep up. Because mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're doing, um, I guess you could call it mystery box storytelling. Yes. Even though that's such a cursed word in the chats community, we don't like to talk about mystery box shows. Because of how bad they've gotten in recent years. But, like, they're building a really, really, really strong foundation in this. Uh, you know, they they, they, they set out, to, to, to finish the metaphor out, they set out the building blocks in episode one, and now they laid them on the floor in episode two. We are introduced to the concept of, uh, of a villain, Siler. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another hero. We know who's investigating whom. We have heroes interacting with other heroes. And we have Hero being a hero um, and doing his whole thing, which is like kind of bigger scope than the rest of the show is so far. So I think it's still working for me. This felt like a chapter two of a really good book. I was like, yeah, we got people over. We we built up the cast a little bit more. So everybody has somebody to work with. And we're kind of humming along, you know? I wasn't Mm -hmm. like floored by it, but I was like, this is a good... I like to distance myself from it. Like this is a good script that is well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually got a, a comment that I wanted to discuss before we got into the plot here okay. um, about the first heroes discussion that we did um, and about the concept of diversity and how we talk about diversity uh, on chats. So this is from a listener of the podcast over on YouTube, Frankie, um, who graciously wrote a really long comment that was some excellent constructive feedback about how in that first discussion the heroes you know part of couch badness we spent a lot of the early goings of it discussing how you know mahinder's plot's a little bit like racially awkward because they make him a taxi driver and you know heroes an office worker and they and how tropey it was um and and frankie was basically saying that they were a little bit bummed out and frustrated by that critique because mm-hmm. You know, for multiple reasons. Number one, being like it's an older show that was extremely common for the time. But most importantly, like their second point was the show starts there and like develops characters out of those tropes. And very quickly, they're, and as we can see in episode two, they're already not 
like those tropes anymore. I think there are still tropey aspects to it, but I think more importantly, it is up our responsibility both to bring up and not bemoan the diversity of the television shows that we're watching. Mm-hmm. Like I do feel an obligation to mention things like that. However, if it becomes excessive, as multiple people have told me it was like a teensy bit excessive on that episode, you know, that's on us. And that's something that we are cognizant of. Um, I don't know. What do you have to say about the situation? Um, well, I appreciate the feedback. Um, I'm it's like a mistake I'm happy to make, if that makes sense. Like, I would rather uh, bother people in this direction and get this feedback and then adjust as opposed to doing the opposite. Yes. Um, and I also, I can definitely see, you know, I felt very similarly. I don't remember if I talked about sense when we talked about heroes, but I felt very similarly when we watched sense um, to how I felt when we watched heroes where it's like, and sense is a show that I really love and I love the ensemble of it. And also, you can say that at the beginning of that show, okay, a lot of these characters are kind of pastiches at best, stereotypes at worst, um, from like a very kind of Western or even American white perspective. And those caricatures are the seedlings of more fully developed characters that emerge over the course of the show. So, Mm -hmm. like... Like you're saying, we can already see from episode two here that the characters of heroes are much more than what's presented to us in the pilot episode. And also, I think, you know, it's important, like you were saying, to continue to acknowledge when we see an ensemble get constructed in front of us, like what are the mechanics of putting that group together, Um, which I think could have been more clearly the focus of that conversation. Um as opposed to like quibbling about the particular way that particular characters were characterized or whatever, because like, for example, hero, I really like hero as a character. I like this idea of like the office worker who has time and space powers because he wants to escape that office environment. And there is something that's grounded in Japanese work culture to that. Like that feels like, an authentic type of character archetype that might appear in a story that's actually centered in Japan or written by Mm -hmm. Japanese authors or whatever. Um, So like it's maybe we kind of went a little too far in saying like, Oh, this is a little off putting because there is a grain of truth there, I guess. Um, But it feels very written by white people in a way that I just can't quite get past in that first episode. So that's kind of where I land on it. I appreciate the feedback. And also, I don't think I disagree with anything that I said. But like you're saying, it's a matter of like how much we're saying or yeah, at at this point, which is fair. 100%. And it's funny because like we both enjoyed Heroes Episode 1. We both enjoyed Heroes Episode 2. It's also just in a matchup podcast where we're talking about it in the context of both shows. So yeah. I think. And, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I don't. I didn't have an actual end of that sentence. Well, and I think uh, it's interesting to talk about it in comparison with a show like Stargate SG One, right? Where like we're to a certain extent we're kind of like docking heroes for trying to do something that it should be trying to do. If you're gonna tell a story about superheroes emerging 
on Earth, you should want to like have characters that are within a more global context if you're trying to tell this sweeping grand story. And so like maybe there's an argument to be made that like a swing and a miss is better than what Stargate SG-1 is doing where it's like, well, not it's swinging. a bunch of, they're not swinging. It's a bunch of white American military people uh, and their like alien friend of color yep. going around and colonizing uh, the galaxy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I like in my head, don't critique Stargate SG-1 as much um because maybe there's like the absence of the attempt which is not drawing my attention to it i still was planning on talking about how white that show is yeah but it's kind of a different um thing because it's like not trying so i don't know Uh, maybe that's also like a a way to give heroes a little more grace or room to make mistakes because they're attempting something a little more complicated Mm -hmm. um but nah, I don't know. And and like I, I try to remind myself too of the context. Like this is a network television show uh, that is still managing to feature actors from all these different countries and having them speak, a lot of them at least, speaking their native language. Um, mm-hmm. I think it doesn't do it any favors by comparing it to Sense8 also because Sense8 just like diversity-wise like blows this out of the water until it's it's doing a very different thing right it's about how these people uh-huh. are connected whereas uh-huh. heroes is more about like the why why do we have the powers though like even though these shows have like similar True. dna in them fundamentally True. they're they're have completely different aims right because i think sensate lands on like it doesn't really matter how this happened what matters is that it did and heroes is like no but we need to hold a character whose entire arc is answering why we have powers and like mm. we need another character who's villain you know the villain of like i'm gonna steal powers and we need a person who like it's all about the powers so i think that's another reason why like the diversity question like doesn't come up as much unless we bring it up is the show doesn't center it it just is the mm. it, it is lacking in certain elements of diversity or is tropey in ways that are a little disappointing that's objectively true mm-hmm. yeah um so let's talk about the episode right people are excited people love heroes we liked don't look back what did we like about image overall what were the things that you liked um i think they do a really good job of extending like the the thing that when you do a great like a great game of thrones episode right is gonna visit all of the members of the cast and kick their plot forward maybe three scenes or sometimes one um and you're gonna be like god that was great oh but where what are they where are they going next and it felt like everybody got a little bit of that everybody got kind of uh you know, the next level up of what was established about them in the pilot episode, you go from Peter Petrelli, like, oh, did my brother fly to save me to, oh, your dad tried to commit suicide too, to bro, I didn't just fly, you flew. And you're like, what? Wow. Yeah. Layers. Yeah. You go from Mohinder being like, what was up with my dad to being like, whoa, my dad (laughs) had like kind of a thing going with his neighbor or something and now that's going on 
And yeah. then uh, what else happened? Claire's dad keeps, you know, He's putting his fingers together. Oh, I found your video of you being invincible. Um, so everybody is like, their plots are developing in ways that I found engaging. And I think it's well paced. It's uh, it's just entertaining TV. I think it's very capably doing this particular kind of like scattered ensemble yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't feel confused by any or like overwhelmed by the number right. of plots. Right. Right. Which is huge. Because when they introduced um, Eden, Nora Zahetner's character, mm-hmm. shout outs to Nora for being awesome in uh 2005's brick of course we love brick here um that was one of the first movies that magellan and i and our friend jim really got bonded over um Mm -hmm. back when ryan johnson wasn't uh, never mind (laughs) never mind never mind never mind never mind (laughs) um yeah she's there she's got they got a thing going on but she knows his dad she has a salamander named mohinder which is strange um Mm -hmm. i have a feeling she's gonna do some stuff i spoiled some stuff about her by accident because of the amazon x-ray which uh-huh. it's annoying but love her i like that they added people to most of the plots like i think if i yeah. have any yeah that that was like a thing that that really added that, that added value to everything i mean like nikki and isaac's plots didn't exactly like jump forward in any meaningful ways i guess nikki like sees all the violence that her other half did and uh-huh. it's like uh-oh i'm a criminal and is like reckoning with that and then like wakes up in a car that she doesn't remember being in or something. And she realizes the alter ego took control for like a significant period of time. Um, I feel like there's some sort of metaphor in there about mental health that I don't expect the show to handle delicately. Uh, Not that that's a bad thing. That's just something, again, something to acknowledge. Um, Yeah. I'm, I don't know. We'll see. I still, the other thing that I felt important to me about, um what we were saying about the like diversity lens on the plot here is how we have like two blonde white women making up 40% not 40% but like 20% or 30% of the cast base here yeah um and then we add a white guy into it in this episode like an <laughs> LA cop was is not helpful um but Which, anyway shout out to Greg Grunberg but yeah he does a great job Again, I'm I'm speaking about like kind of a structural thing, yes, more yes. so than like the effectiveness or the you know whatever of individual characters. But yeah, the the Nikki thing, it's still bugging me that her power, the metaphor, feels based in the whole like I'm a single mom by day and a cam girl by night. I'm living a dual life, <laughs> and yeah. also yeah. I have moon night powers or whatever but yeah maybe they are trying to nudge it into a mental health thing or uh i don't know yeah it's That's... it it gets into tricky territory of like i have multiple personalities or nobody does that well no i don't think so and i i, I do like um i do like ali larder like i think she's playing it well i'm like genuinely yeah. surprised like i did that it actually happens a lot in the Stargate episode as well. Like character who's mm-hmm. realized like weirdly similar in a weirdly similar way. Um, and I like that performance a little bit more, but she's, you know, she's doing well with what she's given. And it's a fun mystery of like, what happened? Where are you waking up now? What did you do? Who did you mm-hmm. kill? And like answering those questions, she's got a built in mystery. And speaking of, of Greg Grunberg's character, um, Matt Parkman, officer, Matt Parkman, it's, 
it's what 2000 2006 uh we really like cops in American media, and we continue to like cops for a long time. I think we're finally bending away from that trope. But there's that line when he finds the girl, and he's like, I'm a cop. I'm one of the good guys. In this, like, Mr. Rogers says, when in danger, look for the helpers or whatever way. And I'm like, ugh, I get it, and I get why he would say that, but the show is really, like, wants you to like Parkman and be like, come on, like, it's Matt. You like Matt, because Greg Grunberg's got that kind of face. Like, he's just one of the dudes. Um, And that doesn't work for me, obviously, as somebody who doesn't have the reverence for the cops or for policing that um, the show kind of wants me to. Um, Right. Well, yeah, it feels like they're, you know, I think this and uh, what's-his-face from Sensei, at least at the beginning, until he becomes Will, until Will becomes a little more cool. It also feels like they're kind of riffing on like um, pre-established stuff from television, like not even necessarily assuming that we have an affinity for real life police officers, but also just the television thing of like, right? it's a white guy protagonist looking dude in a cop uniform. So you know that he's a good guy in this television show because that's like how TV works. Yes. Um, but it does feel weird to add that guy in episode two. I do like what I like about him is he's not like a cool cop. He's not a detective. He's kind of a of a chump and like a little bit <laughs> like he keeps failing his cop, his detective test. And what I like about his power as metaphor situation is he's just sort of like not doing great and is worried that people think that about him and his powers he can read people's minds and hear them think how much they don't like him and think that he's not that great um i liked that a lot yeah he's got problems with his wife he has to go to couples therapy he's a bad cop and then he gets arrested like i think that part is fun to me and you made a really good point there earlier about how they're like kind of playing with known tropes and i think the coolest thing about heroes and this was like a sensei thing as well but they're maybe arguably doing it better here is uh each character's storyline and can plot arc resembles a different type of show or movie like mm. we have our police procedural we have our like high school coming of age story we have our you know seedy mystery with like Winder's plot we have all we have different tropes of shows that manage to coalesce into something that feels very whole I think it feels like this is all part of the same show. It doesn't, it's not like, it's not like, oh, this part is way darker. Cause like even Claire's stuff, which is in theory, like the most lighthearted plot line of the show is still like, if you get run, if you get, you know, tackled by a football man and he hits your neck, you're going to twist your neck around and you're going to die. And she doesn't die because she's Claire, but that's what would happen if you got decked by a linebacker. Um, so like, I think it's cool that even the like lightest plot manages to still be gruesome. And the show has a lot of like thematic consistency, despite each little storyline being its own kind of show. Um, yeah, I agree. I enjoyed Claire's in this. I felt like they really wanted to write more high school stuff. Like we Mm learned a little bit more about Zach, her, her buddy who is like probably gay, right? Like probably gay. I think they're doing like a I'm your friend who has a big crush on you. Thing. Oh, the other guy in a high school show trope. Yeah, the, the the like closet bisexual guy. 
Mm, okay 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 yeah i believe it it's not great they introduce us to jackie her sort of rival rival character who tries to flirt with boys so that they ignore her Mm. this is they're just doing it they're doing a high school show and then she gets pulled aside and there's that lineup scene that's very scary when like the fbi or whatever come to the school and they're like which blonde high school girl why did they (laughs) block this scene that way (laughs) where she's last or whatever just like it makes no sense that what cops would do this or set this up like this or like they're shooting it for a particular visual sequence of things. But the place on campus where they're doing it is like barren. It was such an odd scene <laughs> that made set. no sense whatsoever. Yes. The, the set there was very strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are certain scenes where I'm like. Wait, where did the budget go? The first episode had like an incredible budget and like was so well dressed and everything, and then suddenly like just certain shots. I felt this especially with Stargate actually, where I was like, "Are what hat?" Some shows spend all their budget on the pilot and then have nothing left. <laughs> it's like weird to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I I did feel weird with the the way that scene was blocked. It was very strange. But she gets called out, and uh. I forget where her plot ends on this one. It's just that her dad knows he sees the video and goes, Yeah, oh, that's wow. like the last. Her friend's like, I lost the video. And oh. then we see her dad watching the video. The dad. <sighs> Cartoon dude is like twirling his mustache. It's pretty funny. And from the jump of the episode, too, like you think they would try to preserve in this episode this kind of ambiguity of, oh, you saw hints that he was associated with something bad in the pilot. Maybe he's bad. Maybe. Don't know. <laughs> but from minute one, he says to her uh, what I quoted when I introduced you, where he says, trust me, because I actually know a few things. And then she walks off screen and then the camera holds on him and he does the whole dramatic face change, look off into the distance. I'm the bad guy face. <laughs> this is like three minutes into the episode. My theory. Uh, Go ahead. Well, I want to hear your theory. My theory is that Siler is our main, main bad guy. And they that he works with Siler, but he makes like a face turn or something. I don't think he's full evil. I have a suspicion because of the whole, like, I'm your stepdad. I think right. they're going to try to give him a chance, an out, because he's not the main bad guy. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, he's a little too evil too soon is, exactly. is what it feels exactly. like. Exactly, exactly. Like, he's going to burn yeah. out, and then it's like, okay, who's the bad guy? Oh, it's Tyler. Got it. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the dad's dialogue? <laughs> 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 they just keep writing, writing lines for this guy, and I kind of like it because he can't even be a dad without being an absolute creep show yes <laughs> he's like promise me or like i just want you to always be my little girl so i can protect you from the world um i promise i'll be your little girl as long as i can ew weird 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 freudian stuff going on here that very we're have to really do some therapy on <laughs> but uh anyway yes yeah, there was like oh that I felt the same thing when the when um the woman in Hinder's plot was like oh your dad told me to call him like <laughs> I forget what she told it like there was a nick to have written down the nickname for Mahinder's dad uh or it's like Big Papa but not Big Papa yeah what yeah something it? like that I think it was it was Papa something 
Baba Suresh or something. Yeah, something like that. It's weird. I'm just like, what's the relationship between them, between Eden and his dad? Yeah. I don't really know. I don't. There's just these are just question marks that this this episode put up for me that are not red flags but are weird. Um, I also wanted to shout out Hero's plot. You know, it's like it feels like it's the quote unquote mean plot because it's the the one with the most like show encompassing powers. We get to see actual time travel here. He jumps ahead to, uh, I think, Isaac's dead, right? Is that what happens? And then he rolls back, and then he goes back to Japan. Like, he goes to, like, five weeks or something in the future, mm-hmm. and the police are interrogating him. And there's that awesome scene where he's like, call my friend, call my friend. And they call him, and he's like, I haven't seen him in five weeks. Like, I don't know where my friend is. I'm scared he's dead. He's like, five weeks, huh? And then looks out the window, nuke goes off, he rolls it back, he's back in Japan. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. That yeah. was a great way to show us what's at stake, to show us that we don't know as much as we think we know about what's going to happen, to make Hero more important. Um, I thought that was really well done. Until the narrator voice came in and <laughs> said, whose voice was that? Was that one of the characters? I think so. Oh, I didn't like that. I did like the narrator voice over the previously on part. Did you have that or see that? Watch that. I did write that. Yeah, I wrote that I loved the narrator voice on the previously on, where I was like, previously on heroes. I was like, damn, this guy's cooking. Well, he was narrating what the plots were on the previous episode. Right. Like this thing happened and this and da 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 da. I want, I want that all the time. Yeah. I want someone to just... hype me up to watch the show. Yeah, running during the episode, I want a guy to be like, and then, you know, Lander went back to the lab to figure out what his dad was doing. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know the show's going to get dumber. I want it to get dumber. I, I oh. think what they're going to do, based on the era this came out in, in mm-hmm. terms of like how is the show going to escalate in stupidity, is more and more people that we already know are going to be revealed to have powers. I started thinking about that with Greg, mm-hmm. with, uh, with, sorry, Matt Parkman. I call him Greg Grunberg because he's been a like internet slash podcast personality since I was a teenager, like since uh-huh. the show was on. I remember yeah. listening to Greg Grunberg on podcast in like 2009. So like yep, the same. dude's been around. Same. Um, But like when they introduced the FBI agents, I was like, oh my God, like these Lady, the you do not hire legendary actress Clea Duvall to play an FBI agent without her being very important or having powers. Nikki's right. son is being talked about too much. I bet you Nikki's son has powers. I'm one. <laughs> I'm like, who doesn't? Just throw powers out there because you know it could. There's no rule about like they have to be at a certain event. It could be anybody. I don't know what caused it yet. Yeah. So I think that's where the show is going to lean into like getting stupid and some of the powers are going to have a cost to them too. And Oh yeah. I, I'm waiting for them to cook with that stuff. So every time somebody new is a real dad powers, I'm like, yeah. Mm. Okay. Are you interested in what the deal is with the powers? I feel like it's a thing you could answer in one sentence. And that's always the sign of a bad mystery. Mm-hmm. Like if it's a good mystery, then it will require a little bit of explanation. It will require some fake outs and then it'll have like a big moment where you you understand parts of it. Mm-hmm. But if you if I just looked up like where do the powers come from on Heroes and Google was like it's from a meteorite, I would be like, well, that's boring. <laughs> that's not exciting yeah. at all. So I'm kind of hard to answer your question. Yeah, I think that's what I was getting at by asking it. I don't find myself super interested in like the source 
of the superpowers. I'm interested in what the deal was with Mohinder's dad and Siler and why they're talking to each other and why he thinks Siler's patient zero. What does that mean? Maybe there's something there. But I think I'm just a lot more interested in the characters and what they sort of uncover about their relationships than I am about how the powers operate. I think I was a lot more interested in how the powers operated just to keep comparing to Sense8 for a second. When we were watching Sense8, I was like, oh, what's the, why are they connected? Oh, there's this whole like clusters and there's like a network of blah, blah, blah. What da, 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 da. I and it all revealed all that, that you didn't need to know. It, it it was all cool, but then it was like, okay, it wasn't like, there wasn't a single thing that they said that you were like, oh God, what the. Right. True. You know? Yeah. Different type of mystery. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, we're not here to make a decision yet. So I guess additional thoughts on heroes for now. Um, I really liked the Petrelli plot line. Uh, I'm not harping so much now on, like, these characters are clearly the A plots and these characters are the B plots. I'm trying to be fair to everyone, like, the, the show is attempting to be. Because I think in the first episode I said that, like, the Petrelli plot is clearly an A plot. And, like, yeah, it is. It's got a lot of development that's happening faster than everyone else. But, like, whatever. I'm going to be generous. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the performances in this one. I think the acting is shockingly good. Uh, that scene in the hospital where the mom tells um, Peter that his father committed suicide. I was like, wow. You know? Mm-hmm. I believe this. I believe the way that this is being delivered and that she's like, he's like, what about the other times that he got sick? And she's like, those were all failed attempts. She just says that to him. I'm like, yeah. this says so much about who she is as his mom. Like she's almost like um, the mom, the the mother from Arrested Development, like Lucille Bluth, mm-hmm. where I'm like, yeah, uh, you're like intense <laughs> in a way that I yeah. uh, am into, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, and what I, I liked also in that scene, like you're saying, she's she's very severe. And when she's describing the father's multiple suicide attempts and the fact that he was eventually successful, she says he finally got what he wanted. And it's like, yeah, oh God, what yep. a thing yep. to say. And then uh, it also told me a lot about her where the way that she's trying to convince Peter, don't try to kill yourself again, is she says, you were always my favorite. just like the depths of the manipulation and the like can i trust what you're saying in the petrelli family and him the whole episode trying to get from his brother like dude just tell me that you flew i'm not going to go to the press about this so interesting speak to me the dynamics of yeah that family i agree uh very fraught very intriguing Mm mm-hmm because then he finally is like about to say it, and then Peter is the one who flies. Yeah. I had to watch that scene back a couple times because it was also blocked really weirdly, mm-hmm. um, and it was like a nighttime scene, so I was confused. But yeah, that's a good twist. That's something that I couldn't. I, I'm glad I didn't know ahead of time, and was like, oh, uh-huh. neat. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm fascinated by Nathan's like relentless choice to not never talk about it. Yeah. And it's like what, to your brother, like, what's the deal with you guys? Yeah. So the show's got me by the by the hooks a little bit. Um, I have a couple more stray notes, and then I want to hear yours, if that's Coolio. Cool. Jackie, the other cheerleader, makes fun of Zach for having an erection in the boys' locker room. Another reason why I'm like, is that uh-huh. going to be the reveal? Also, just a fucking weird thing to say to a person. Yeah. I, I sometimes think about how weird our middle school locker rooms were and how mm-hmm. full of just dormant testosterone and toxic masculinity they were, but... 
Mm-hmm. No one was getting boners that I was aware of. Um, I liked the whole, yeah, like we said earlier, Hero stealing the comic and being like, this is a comic about me. And he's like hearing the lines as he's reading them. That was very... Um, that was very, super cool. Yeah. It's very Station Eleven core if you're nasty, because it's also about realizing that a comic is kind of about you. Um, and then when he runs away, they play Indian pop music. And I was like, that is a really cool and elegant way to integrate your storylines into each other. Yeah, is I like to that. play the music from the other types of storyline to keep you thinking about them. Yeah, uh, I agree. That, I like that those, choice a lot. Lots of good choices on here. Lots of good choices. But any um, other notes you had before we move on to our second show? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think I said them all. Amazing. Oh, the freaking guy who got his brain popped out. There's so much gore oh. in this show. Where like sliced the head off and then they took the brain out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's Tyler, yeah. baby. Right, that's Siler did that. I I think so. Siler seems cool. We got to ask friend of the podcast Jim about heroes. Like I need a, I need an expert. Hearing the name Siler immediately teleported me hero style into ninth grade biology class, where Jim is like explaining yes to me. None of it you remember anymore, right? <laughs> no, 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 not even a lick of it. Amazing. Yeah, we also just have to remember. And maybe we'll talk about this more in uh, in in part two. But like all this good stuff we're saying about heroes will not end well. This show ends mm. poorly. The writer strike is barreling towards us. Just keep it in mind um, as we continue to be like, this is so good. They're really building a good foundation. Wow, they're that's gonna topple. Just yeah, you know. Another show that went a while, in fact, much 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 longer, is Stargate SG One. The other show in today's matchup. written by brad wright directed by dennis barry it aired back in the day august 1st 1997 magellan what happened in the enemy within in this episode the team now designated sg1 are planning their next foray through the gate as they try to map out the variety of sites available to them and locate their missing friends o'neill asks that teal can be allowed to join his team but general hammond thinks that will be unlikely given that he's the host for a goauld Unknown to anyone, however, is that O'Neill's close friend, Major Charles Kowalski, leader of SG-2, has been infected by a Goa'uld, an immature version that has not yet taken complete control of the host. Kowalski is having regular blackouts during which the Goa'uld is trying to return to the gate. An MRI reveals what is wrong, but it's unlikely the creature that has fused itself to Kowalski's spine can be surgically removed. Meanwhile, Colonel Kennedy arrives to question Teal'c, who has pledged his loyalty to his new world. Alan, what do you think of The Enemy Within? I think it doesn't do this episode a favor that I watched it right after Heroes, which is like a big budget, modern, more modern mm-hmm. TV show. Mm-hmm. But this episode felt a little dinky to me. That's exactly mm-hmm. the word I would use is dinky. Not mm-hmm. bad, to be clear. And I, mm-hmm. I have my gut check already locked in. I know which, like, which one of these two shows... So, like, take that, keep that in mind as I proceed to dump on Stargate for a second. But, like, <laughs> very flatly written, very, like, 
generic plot that we've seen a million times persons possessed by an alien but i think there's a little bit of charm and magic inside of this this base that they find themselves in this primary set that sg1 seems to take place in so far um and that is the obsession with process with like the easy question is well how do we get it out of kowalski the difficult question is should we get it out of kowalski and i don't know i think that the way the listening to all the different characters play around with that sort of like philosophical debate is super fun and for as generic as it is and for how dinky it looks and feels this is just really charming television it's doing what it's doing very earnestly and i respect it for that i i had a good time with the enemy within what about you Mm -hmm. yeah what i i liked this episode um it's not necessarily the kind of thing that i am coming to stargate for because what we're coming here for is to see people step through the gate and go places and do stuff. But just like the hero second episode, I think this episode does a great job of extending uh, some of the like character interests and plots from the pilot and showing you, okay, here's where we could go long-term with this set of um, things that we're trying to learn or figure out or explore or whatever. Uh, And in and of itself, like you're saying, something that's enjoyable about it is you get almost like a the if folks know the Farscape episode of Human Reaction, um, yeah. which is just to give the gist of it, Farscape. There's a character in space. He was shot through a wormhole from Earth, and now he's hanging out with these aliens. And it, there's an episode where he thinks he makes it back to Earth um, with his alien friends, and then proceeds to see what humanity will do when they're in a first contact situation with unusual aliens um motivated by what um jack o'neill says when he's talking to teal he says like it's a very human what's the specific thing he says he says it's kind of a human thing we tend to be afraid of what we don't know and that's really what the episode is about is like Mm -hmm. this episode of stargate is okay now we know that all of this alien stuff is for real it's not just something that Daniel Jackson is telling us is real from our trip through the Stargate from the movie. It's mm-hmm. like, for real, for real, we're hanging out with an alien guy. The Stargate has worked multiple times. We are in contact with extraterrestrial entities. There are bad guys in space on the loose coming at us or trying to kill us or something. What do we do about that? And right. it is very interesting to see the characters debate and have different takes on well, we should kill this thing right away. We should try to save our friends. Oh, we should keep it and study it and try to learn from it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is a it is a compelling episode for those reasons you described. Like, it's competently written, right? It's not effects-heavy yeah. at all. It's very talky. It's, it almost reminded me... Controversial. It almost reminded me of, like, a TOS storyline where it's yeah. like... Yeah, yeah. Here's the characters. They're set in stone for now. And then, like, by the way, at the end, Teal'c is... Uh, plot thread that we need to figure out sooner than later like are we allowed to have his people in our team and what does that mean for us Um, i was so disappointed when the episode ended with them all suiting up and jumping into the stargate because i was like fuck that's what i wanted no wait (laughs) but like i think it's important and it shows a commitment to your storytelling that this little tiny detail that they dropped at the very end of the pilot gets an entire the entire second episode right is is about that little detail um i thought that was very smart and very uh like responsible of them to do it even though it's like a fairly generic one of those yeah it's interesting that you say it's like a um 
TOS episode because, uh-huh. you know, there is this sort of like bottle episode feeling to this one. And I think something that's working against it is you feel a little hemmed in. You wish you could go through the Stargate and you're you're in a bunker like when you're when you're on a Star Trek episode and they don't leave the ship and they're doing stuff on the ship and somebody has a thing on their spine or whatever. You uh-huh. still get the the like contextualizing shots of it's the Enterprise going through space. Captain's log. We're in fucking space and there's a weird thing yeah. on the ship. Like you still feel like you're going somewhere or you are somewhere. But when Stargate isn't going anywhere, we're not on a ship. We're underground in like somebody's office. And it's right. like, I, I don't want to be here. I want to go on an adventure. Um, so we were we were singing the praises in a previous Stargate discussion about like, wow, the show can go places that like a Star Trek never could because you can <laughs> teleport straight into the ocean or whatever. And it's like, that's true, but you lose the Enterprise in the process of making that trade. There isn't yeah. an Enterprise here, so it's not quite as exciting to have like an on the ship episode, so to speak. And like this is um this is responsible storytelling too, because that mm. what we're describing is like a an away team episode, right? A classic like Star Trek and other sci-fi show thing, which mm-hmm. we feel mixed about. It depends on the show, how how much I like it or don't like it. Uh but they are expensive to make because you have to make new sets every single time. So I think it's like responsible to in episode two be like okay, we're just going to do it on our set and we can tell a whole story beginning to end almost like it's a play or a radio drama just like in one set. Uh, And the whole thing is the debate of like, do we kill this thing or not? Because it will kill the person. Could we use it as a resource? And how do we kill it? Like, how are the odds, you know? Because there's that moment when somebody, the doctor says like, it's it's a easy 10% chance at least, 10 to 20% that the guy is going to survive. And he's like, nice, nice. What are the chances that the creature dies? And he's like, oh, it's 100%. And he's like, uh-huh. he's like, that's interesting. That's actually odds that we can play with. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that maybe not the most fun decision to make your second episode take place on the most generic set ever. But, like, uh-huh. you have to. you got to show people that yeah. we can tell stories without going to you know, fairy world every single time and get them excited for when that does happen. Yeah. And I think what I ended up really loving about this episode is it's taking this step back to set the stakes for the whole show going forward. Um, Because the movie does what it does to show us like space explosions, teleport. Whoa, bad guys. The pilot episode is like, we're back and it's TV and here are the personal stakes for why Daniel Jackson and Jack O'Neill are on the mission and going to stay on this team. And then this episode is like, and here are the things that we're going to explore and figure out over the course of the whole rest of the show. Where does humanity belong in the context of, you know, the wider galaxy or the wider universe? Um, I loved this idea and this is, it's very complex and nuanced and a little hypocritical, but I love this idea that like what Teal'c is saying is, oh yeah, you know, I heard that there used to be this planet that the Goa'uld's like first conquered and first got there, the, the people they enslaved from and nobody knows where it is. And they're like, yeah, man, it's here. It's earth. We're the source of uh the the like enslaved race of the Goa'uld empire and Teal'c's like oh fuck wow oh. that's cool 
Um, and so it kind of repositions the Stargate mission as this sort of like the the um, lineage of humanity and like the importance of Earth is that we were an oppressed people of this larger empire that broke free and were able to sequester ourselves such that we could like become strong enough to rebel against them and dismantle their intergalactic empire or whatever. Like that's cool. That is a cool thing for earth to be. Um, It does suck (laughs) that it's like the American military. That's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to fight the oppressors or whatever. Um, And it feels very classic America in that way of, yeah, we beat the British in 1776, so that means we're always fighting for freedom in every single thing we do or whatever. But I just thought I just thought that was such a cool concept for like how to position Earth in the context of the the wider universe. Um, I think I agree. And also this brings to mind to me this question, what like what show wins Couch Madness and what does it say about us, like the show that we choose? Because we have a couple of things in the bracket right now that are like change what chats becomes for a little while. And like, we mm-hmm. talked about this in the pilot, but like watching Stargate means we're doing a military show. I said the same thing when we watched um, Sequest, although it felt less. So this feels mm-hmm. very, very a military show. Like right. it's kind of hard to explain, but it's just so, I mean, like you don't hire Don Davis for nothing, right? That's why you mm-hmm. bring him on. He's so good in this episode. He's always freaking good. He never doesn't bring the heat. Um, or we watch something like Quantum Leap, which is like a show that is about identity and transforming, but is also like, oops, this week it's transphobic as fuck. Oh, well, actually this week he's playing a gay man. And like, mm-hmm. so you just right. have to roll the dice with certain shows and be like, how much are we willing to put up with? And so now the thing I'm running in my head is like, how, how much military stuff am I willing to put up with for the sake of Stargate? Right. And I think truthfully off planet or off base episodes I would be way more willing to put up with it, even though it'll feel very colonizing. I bet. Uh-huh. But when it's on on base, everybody is like, "We gotta tell the higher board that's good. That's gonna get you court martial." Blah blah blah. And it's like, uh-huh. this is like a story about a like a military mystery or whatever. Ugh. Right. And it it feels like a a core part of the show's identity and like the ensemble's identity is that kind of militaristic camaraderie thing um because you know the the winning argument of what should we do with kowalski and the alien that's inside of him is jack o'neill kind of banging the table and being like no i'm i'm not gonna let one of my guys die i'm gonna do the military guy thing and stand by my guys here and Like the thing that gets Teal'c invited into the ensemble is Jack O'Neill being like, I saw how brave you were in that fight and you're one of my guys now. And like, I'm going to, I'm going to freaking fight for my guys. Fuck. Yeah. That's my what guys. I'm doing here. And, uh, you know, it feels like it wants that to be like an unquestionably true thing about what motivates characters is that they are like bound together by, you know, the ties of duty and battle and the, all of that stuff matters to them and should matter to us. Uh, and it also, I think, is really significant that, like, this other big event that launches us into the new reality or the new normal of what the show is going to be about 
and like finally settles the ensemble is the death of one of our guys. And right. uh it's it's part of the military vibe of the show. And I also think it's like a pretty strong statement on the part of the mm-hmm. show as well, because Kowalski's in the movie, right? Like if sure. you're coming to Stargate the show and you're like, oh, cool, they recast all the movie people. You're not expecting them to kill off one of the movie characters that they just recast. So the show is true is doing this thing to be like, not only is the camaraderie thing important, but everybody is like in danger of being compromised or killed on these missions that we're going on, which uh-huh. it feels like heightens that sense of we need to stick together and, you know, protect each other and that kind of thing. So that definitely is like a huge part of what this show is about. It feels like. Yeah. Keep the keep our group together. Keep everybody that we care about with us. It's I like that. And I think that's honestly a thing that Teal probably finds super appealing about this group is like mm-hmm. this is a these are people who fight for each other and who fight others in honor of each other. Like there's that line where Carter is telling Jack, uh, telling O'Neill, like we could leave him here and then we would have to nuke the station and like, Mm -hmm. we'd all have to evacuate or we would all just die. And like, that's an option too. And he's like, well, that's the worst option. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this question of like, how much suffering are you willing to, you know, commit for us to figure things out? Like we see the value of keeping the, the Gould, which I love Mm -hmm. that some people just say Gould. And then Teal'c is like, <laughs> and then Teal'c is very deliberate, like Goa'uld. Like they're yeah. all saying it wrong on purpose. Yeah. Um, like we could keep it and we could research it and then we could fight them better. That ties back into that first scene, which is so strange when they're just watching the door get attacked <laughs> for like <laughs> five <laughs> minutes of like, ah, <laughs> oh, they're gonna try to get in, but it's only three micrometers away from the portal. So even if they go through it, they're just hitting a door uh that's weird and i'm like what is your goal here (laughs) what's your goal with the stargate is it to you want to go through it are you waiting until they stop attacking before you can go through it like i have questions about the mechanics Uh is that why we haven't gone on our first adventure yet is because we're waiting for them to stop attacking so that we can use it is there a rental system that (laughs) (laughs) somebody's in the bathroom (laughs) yeah can you guys finish up we want to go we want to go on space adventures can you guys wrap it up please thank you Uh thank you so much um i don't know do you have any other big thoughts on this one no notes um just further on the on the well two thoughts i had one more thought on the kind of military you know bro code thing which is also like a big triumph in this episode is um major briggs what's his name general hammond um yeah (laughs) general hammond really dealing with that he was like an fbi guy or something or yeah, yeah. some government stooge. Um, yeah. And it's like, get the heck out of here. You don't get to take our guy. He's Teal. He's one of our freaking guys. And the president's on the big red phone. So fuck you. Get out of here. Like that feels like another victory for the, you know, uh, the blue collar military guy, mm-hmm. um, which is just kind of a part of how Stargate does business. Um, that, that all being said, I'm really interested in Teal'c and Me too. his position in this story. And this episode does a great job, I think, of establishing the Jack O'Neill-Teal'c relationship. Because um, Jack is comes up to him and he's like, hey, man. Teal'c is like, am I a prisoner? Jack says, uh, yeah. 
Teal says, I understand. Jack says, we're not exactly living up to your expectations. Or we're not exactly living up to your expectations of us, are we? Um, and so there's this sort of like Jack is an ambassador for humanity, but also is like resentful of humanity and trying to help this guy navigate being a part of the human society. Teal'c is like looking for purpose, looking for who's doing the right thing. I want to like pledge my support to these people who saved me, but they're not accepting me. And I don't know if I'm totally on board with them yet or not. I just find their relationship and Teal'c's position in all of this really, really interesting. So I'm excited to yes. see more of that. Yeah, I think top like top two things I care the most about are like Teal'c and everybody's relationship to him and the humanity inherited the earth and yeah. is overthrowing the oppressors. That's like awesome world building. Mm-hmm. And like O'Neill is not your he's kind of our typical uh sci-fi show protagonist, but he's not John Crichton. He's not obviously like a Picard. Uh, he's not, mm-hmm. he's kind of a John Sheridan. I think that's the closest, I, I guess. To yeah. Him. Yeah. But he doesn't have like a wife. He's not a wife guy in the same way that Sheridan is. So I'm, I'm not just anymore, like, yeah. right. Exactly. He was. Yeah. I'm curious about him. We didn't, I, my last thing is that we didn't get enough Daniel Jackson in this. Yeah. Yeah. Him and, uh, what's Carter, the... Carter and Carter. Yeah. Daniel Jackson and Carter, are kind of on the sidelines being like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, what does exactly. that make you think about uh, about the other people we know who have the Goa Wolds in them? Hmm, okay, mm. well, maybe next episode we can talk more about this. Exactly. Yeah. I want to hear them. I want to see adventures so badly, but uh, maybe I won't. Maybe I will. Mm. <laughs> who the hell knows? Um, that's we all I have. About 30 minutes or so. Yeah, approximately. And you will too, folks. Because when we come back, we are going to return to the hypotronic time chamber. Hypotronic. It's hypotronic. Hypotonic Hypotonic is a word. Hypotonic. Hypotonic, having a lower osmotic pressure than a particular flu. Yeah, it's a hypotonic time chamber. It's like blood cells. Um, Hypotonic. Anyways, when Majon finishes singing his little jingle, we'll be back to make our final decision of Heroes or Stargate SG-1. It's a big one, nerds. Let's get into it. Woo! Welcome back to Couch Madness. I just generated so much energy doing this intro that I don't know where to aim it. Hi, Magellan. Hey, what's up? How are you? Oh my god! Oh my god! I went back to my home planet because I'm Poochie. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> remember the episode where uh, Lisa and Bart write an itchy and scratchy cartoon, but nobody will accept it, so they have to put it under Abe's name, and they get to tour the animation studios, and the guy is like. You know, we get around a lot. You know, we save a lot of budget by repeating backgrounds and then the actual <laughs> background repeat. <laughs> yeah, that's know. that's the quality television right there. And uh-huh. we're also discussing some quality television right here with two really good shows. Um, yeah. So, as folks know, if you've been keeping up with Couch Madness, and you're in round two, so I really freaking hope you do, we have a foolproof method for moving shows forward. And it's going to get harder because the shows are getting better. And 
we eventually have to pick a finalist that we watch all the way through. The first part of our foolproof method is the gut check. Now grab that belly, test that pH balance, and tell me, Michellan, <laughs> sight unseen, which of these shows do you want to move on to the next round? Uh, <sighs> yeah, it's hard. It's going to get harder. All right. Let me walk you through my whole thought process. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to. <laughs> Okay, never mind. I'll put that cereal bite of cereal down. <laughs> you, I no, literally I it went I all the way to my mouth and then I put it down. <laughs> Go ahead, eat your cereal. I'll talk to okay. the folks for a second. Okay. So as I was saying before, I came into this week being like, Stargate SG-1, that's what I want. Um, I want Stargate in the finals. I have this Stargate quarter zip, so I got to use it. Whatever, whatever. And I'm very happy that I've now brought... You know, if you think about the my life from 2021 to 2024, uh, and you were to average out the number of new Stargate episodes I've watched per year in that time, uh, I've brought my average up to about half a new Stargate episode per year, which is great. <laughs> so I felt pretty good coming into this week. Felt good about that. And then I watched the Heroes episode. I was like, ah, shoot, that was actually really good. And I want to watch more Heroes, and Heroes is entertaining and interesting. And then... I watched like two minutes of Stargate and I was like, okay, yeah, this is the kind of show that I could just watch 10 seasons of right now and be totally happy with that. Um, So I don't know. And then in the conversation that we've had tonight, I think it was easier for me to kind of move into like more transferable conversations about Stargate than about heroes um like i think a lot of my thoughts or our conversation about heroes were about you know where is this character plot gonna go or what do we like about this or whatever as opposed to our stargate conversation was more about something it felt like so i'm i'm leaning stargate i feel good about it i think i would be sad if we weren't watching more stargate the prospect of not watching more heroes doesn't really bum me out all that much okay honest yeah but also like i would be very interested to watch more heroes but i think Uh we're at the point where i'm gonna feel that way about every show we cut you are so yeah i'm trying to shift my metric to be something that's like Ooh, metric actually gonna <laughs> help me make decisions um so I, I think i'm on team stargate on this one okay great that's your gut check oh did you want my gut check i do yeah, oh what's your... sometimes when we podcast i put my hand under my belly and just kind of caress it and cradle it and that's what i'm doing right now because i'm doing a gut check it's stargate um i'm not explaining why let's move on all right <laughs> it's time for the moments characters foundations and adornments the memes schemes screams and themes are up first memes which of these shows had more elements of ironic or semi-ironic silliness you're really not gonna say why you chose stargate i'll say why i chose stargate sure i'll gladly do it um i felt really scared that was like walking into a noob house and pretending it's yours like i don't do the beginning of the <laughs> next segment i felt so <laughs> do you want we could just do the first category real quick <laughs> So relatable, such a relatable experience walking into a new person's house and pretending it's (laughs) yours. We all do it. We all do it. I'm doing it on the reg, man. Uh, Memes? I don't know. Neither of these episodes were like super funny or silly. Uh huh. Like I know Stargate, but I don't. 
I feel like Heroes might have taken it this week. Yeah, this is a very dark Stargate episode, or like a fairly dark Stargate, so I think it's Heroes. And that's saying something because the Heroes episode had a guy's freaking skull sawed off and the brain plopped out. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It was baller. Schemes, moments of intrigue and plot movement. That's Heroes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Screams, more moments of excitement and surprise. I guess heroes. Yeah. But Kowalski was like, I'm still bad. <laughs> My name's Cuckoo Spaghetti. And you're like, and I like the flashy eyes effect. Excitement and surprise. It's heroes. Yeah. Themes, Stargate. <laughs> I'm so excited for the vote on this one. You wrote Starfate. <laughs> better show, better show. Hmm. Okay. Do you want to tell me why you picked Stargate? Or do the okay. rest of this first? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I picked it. So last week when I, when we, when uh, Death Note won, one of the things I didn't mention on pod, but I mentioned on the Discord was that the secret real reason that I felt so committed to Death Note was I was inspired by a friend of the podcast, Arthur's now uh, on hiatus podcast, Full Metal Analyst, which is a uh-huh. fantastic podcast that I loved listening to during the pandemic. And uh, it was them and their friends listening or watching Fulminant Alchemist for the first time. Brotherhood, that is. And we were on it a couple times. It was very good. Good pod. Um, and I mm-hmm. wanted to do an anime podcast that was in the spirit of Fulminant Analyst because I want that show to exist in our minds and hearts, right? So it's like the secret reason. I think the mm-hmm. secret reason that I want Stargate to win, and I'm just going to say it so it's no longer a secret, is like... Mm-hmm. I want to be a Stargate person. I want to finally understand what this is about and like get into the meat and potatoes. And then my, there's so much minutia. There's boundless potential for this show, whether or not right. that's good or bad. I mean, we do know at some point that it ends abruptly, but also at some point the cast shifts and we become kind of like a proto Farscape. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, we get Ben Browder. And well, Claudia like a Black. post, like a post Farscape. Yes. Yeah, sorry. A post Farscape. I forgot how time works. Once we're into the aughts, we become a, po- a, a you know we get actors from Farscape in it as the uh-huh. main cast, and that's cool. And there's so much spinoff potential. Like I think honestly, the biggest downside against Stargate is that it's long, and if right. it wasn't long, this would be so easy. Um, right. And so when I try not to think too much about that, I think you know, because like I was listening to our Lost Tales Chats on Five episode recently in preparation for our uh, other mm-hmm. podcast appearance, which mm-hmm. I don't think has come out yet, so I won't say it, but. I loved the end of Chat Salon 5 because we were so emotionally invested. Like, we're practically crying talking about, like, the last time we're going to hear about Jakar and how he goes off into space and, like, oh, mm-hmm. is this a good ending for Sheridan? And I was like, I need that again. I had that with Star Trek TNG, and I need it again. I'm addicted to endings, to <laughs> meaningful endings. Yeah, I mean, that that was exactly the thing I felt when the Stargate theme music came on is that feeling of, like, yeah, it's time for another episode of Trek Chats, and I get to yeah. watch the show that I don't know much about, but I know that it feels like coming home, baby. Here we go. Yeah, and yep. uh, maybe that just means that we need to get back to doing like Trek Chats episodes with full seasons of TV instead of movies that aren't so good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it feels feels like home in a way that heroes like well we'll talk about it. let's keep doing this stuff yeah keep doing this stuff um the characters clonks honks junks and punks which characters which one had characters that were dorkier in a fun way i think stargate yeah i'm gonna just kind of, say they barely even, get out even jack o'neill's kind of a dork even general hammond's kind of a big doofus what <laughs> he's a military dork 
hunks, which had characters that were hotter in a fun way. I might, I think Hero seeks this out. Mm-hmm. Mahinder's not, I think. <laughs> yeah, Mahinder and um, I think her name's Eden. Yeah, or Eden. something. I don't, does she say it in the episode? No, you probably saw it on the Amazon trivia. But I her think name's I looked. Eden. It, I looked it up on IMDb or something. Uh-huh. When the two of them are like <laughs> looking around on the floor and then look at each other, run into each other with that look mm. of like, oh, we're gonna fall in love in a few episodes. That was kind of funny. I want to be clear to people: I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gay. Just because I only ever talk about how guys are hot, like there's a female default. I wrote a poem about this recently that I'm never going to share with anybody except you, maybe you, Magellan. But okay. like, I'm I identify as bisexual. I just don't talk about the women I find attractive that often. But like, you know, when I find a lady a pretty, a lady pretty, I just have to. I like to point out when the guys are cool and hot because that's uh-huh. how I butter my bread. Okay, so that's just I want to make that clear for the legal team. Great. Junks, which had characters that were more eccentric in a fun way. Eccentric, uh, huh? Eccentric, huh? Stargate? Eccentric. Yeah. Here's just playing them as real people. I think that's a close one, but I'd give that to Stargate. That's rough. That's that's a tough call. And then the punks, characters more rebellious. That's heroes. Okay, foundations, the clues, crews, hues, and shoes. Which one has more plot to explore and unravel over time? Three, two, one, Stargate. Heroes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll give it to Stargate, yeah. More plot. Seeding some stuff. Uh, crews, ensemble dynamics. Stargate. Heroes is barely an ensemble. Like, it's an ensemble, yeah, yes, but, don't you but think they're, they're not talking meet? to each other. Are they? When? How, how soon? I guess you're right. Okay, Stargate. Um... Hughes, which one has more thematic range? Stargate, Stargate. I think, showed us in this episode that they can get, like, kind of scary, kind of serious, and it's not, like, hokey. It wasn't amazing. They didn't do horror, like, crazy well, but it was pretty capable. What's a show that does horror well? I guess The X-Files. Yeah. Uh, Shoes, which has more mileage from its base premise? Freaking Stargate. Come on. Absolutely. Freaking Lily. Get out of town. All right, the fits, hits, its and wits. The fits, uh, costumes and props, outfits, things like that. I'm gonna give this to heroes because they're kind of like these uh-huh. characters are in the costumes that are gonna identify them as heroes. Like it's sort of their their equivalent of the red and blue tights. Right. Hits, better use of music. I think heroes. We like called out some specific creative ways that they use music. Yeah, agreed. Um, oh yeah, it, did we talk about that on the episode or just in my notes? How the we talked about themes... it. Okay, great. Oh, how that theme song? What? Well, when cool stuff happens in Heroes, they play the theme song again. Oh. I thought that was really cool. Like That is cool. I think it was like when Matt realizes he has powers, it does the... Which I think I said in the first episode is a jingle that gets used. It used to get used in Arabic TV a lot, and I never knew it was from Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love music That's licensing. Um, the It's, which makes better use of the cast and guests. How about how about heroes? Yeah, and then the wits, the script, and the writing. I wrote down more lines from Stargate that were like good lines, and more lines from heroes that were like, "Why does the dad talk like that?" <laughs> so I want to give this one to Stargate. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, it's eight and eight. What the heck? Whoa. What the heck? I think I know. I mean, I, I was, you know, I was on the line here, I guess. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. No, it's to be expected for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is this it? Are we closing the chat's book on heroes? What? We haven't voted yet. What are you talking about? Oh, you're right. We haven't voted. Sorry, because maybe your mind changed. Uh, all right, you ready to vote? Here's how I would do heroes. Okay, yeah, give me your pitch. Uh, we somehow, it's a heroes slash city of heroes podcast. and <laughs> The brothers made this joke in the... In they the did? T- today. Of course they did. Freaking, we share one brain cell. And Pat it... said, yes, I'm excited to play City of Heroes for one week and then stop playing when Heroes gets knocked out in Couch Madness. <laughs> 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 owned, 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 ruined, ruined. <laughs> We will play okay. City of Heroes with the chats Discord. Don't you worry, guys. Even yeah, I do want to. I do definitely want to play City of Heroes with chats Discord. I want to stream City of Heroes, all that stuff. I want to put my foot in the door and say I'm interested in some kind of weird concept podcast that somehow combines playing City of Heroes and watching the TV show Heroes, <laughs> and fully living in the odds. I don't know what that concept is or how it works. I don't think that that concept is what should be coming out of Couch Madness, but uh, I'm I'm open to that and probably only that as a context in which Heroes is watched on the show. Not that I'm voting right now. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't vote. To be clear. I know what I would call that podcast. What? City of... <laughs> Siri thought I said hi to her. City of Heroes. But City of, and then it'd be like the Eclipse Moon. Ooh, classy. City of Heroes. All right, we're voting in five, four, three. You have to type your answer, John. I don't see you typing. Two. I didn't see you typing either. I already typed it. Two. Oh. One. Go hit it. Yeah! yeah. Daniel Johnson, you made it, baby. You fucking made it. I'm so <laughs> I guess we got to learn your name. Oh, Daniel, yeah. Jackson. Daniel Jackson. Crap. Daniel Johnson. <laughs> L huge L. And the way that I remember is that is that Daniel Jackson and Jack O'Neill's names are basically the other person's names, but flip. Daniel Jackson, Jack and Jack and Daniel, Jack Daniels. Wait. (laughs) Daniel Jackson, Jack O'Neill. It's like thirty flirty and thriving. Thirty flirty and thriving. Thirty flirty and thriving. All right. Uh, Well, bummer for heroes. It's so long. I don't know. Got to lose. Yeah, here's the thing. I do still want to watch Heroes in my lifetime just to understand myself. A, what yes. captivated yes. our friend Jim for years and years of his life. And two, uh-huh. like, I feel like as pe- like odds TV people, like, we should know what the deal with Heroes was. I want to watch Heroes Reborn. I've seen some, I've heard some weird stuff about that one. But, mm-hmm. like, for the sake of Couch Madness, Stargate takes it. It looks so... Yeah. Season 1, Episode 3. Actually, actually, we're going to watch Season 1, Episode 3, so I can tell you what happens in it. Okay. While exploring a world populated by Mongol descendants, Captain Carter is abducted by a wife of a local warlord. Oh, no! no! Not the wife! Stargate, no! What are no! you doing? Oh, Don't... that's what they're going to put up against Xena Warrior Princess? Are oh, you kidding? Brutal. You're going to get fucking wrecked, Stargate. Wait, what do you mean against Xena? Xena's going against something else next week. Going against the uh, fucking... I know, but if Xena wins. <laughs> but be fucking for real, bro. But be fucking for real. 
Oh my god, season one episode three of Xena also features a wife plot. So anyway. <laughs> oh my god, but it sounds eight million times cooler. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll stop reading. I'll stop reading. I'll stop reading. Yeah, we gotta That's... do next week's matchup. Next week's matchup is gonna feature a guest, hopefully, if we can get the coordination right. Because uh-huh. it's a beefy one, guys. It's maybe the hardest matchup of round two of Couch Madness. I now, think so. Yeah. We've talked a lot about these two shows. They've been talked about on the Discord almost daily since we started talking about them. It's Quantum Leap second episode versus the second episode of Xeno Warrior Princess. This is the big one, guys. People really want one or the other of these. We don't have a consensus in the chat. We don't have a consensus among Vagellon and I. We don't? It's, well, do we? We have to, I got. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yet. You want Quantum Leap? You can want Quantum Leap. That's well, fine. I haven't even watched them yet, bro. What are you saying? We haven't okay. even watched the second episode. Give them a chance. Okay. And we'll come back and we'll give them a chance and we'll have a person on to help us talk through it and it'll be great. Quantum Leap v Xena Warrior Princess is next week. Oh, okay, Magellan, with that being said, for now, uh-huh. we must continue uh-huh. into the end of the podcast. Yes. Where can people find you online? You can find me on another podcast called Super Smash Echoes that I do with my friend Justin, where we play video games related to the Super Smash Brothers franchise, Super Smash Echoes. Check it out. You can also read some of my writing on my substack at notthemagellan.substack.com. Alan, what about you? Cam, uh, you can find me uh, trying to cut back on my sodium by not being uh, getting caught at the McDonald's anytime soon. And you can also listen to me on a few other podcasts. The Unova Tourism Committee has now launched its first meeting or episode. Uh, that's a podcast where Six and I uh, from Skinline Media are playing through Gen 5 of Pokemon, one town at a time. And uh, we're talking about how they you know, p- depict New York State and America from a Japanese lens. It's been really cool. We're recording episode two this week. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, you can also hear me on the Garnet Wager and featuring the guest voice of Magellan J. Sp- fluke that is um <laughs> and uh that's overall at scanlinemedia.com and then finally you can hear me on talking marketing every other month i do an interview podcast for my volunteer job with ama boston and it's about marketing and work and fun stuff so check all of that out john i'd like to do the plugs on this week if that's kosher please do okay i will if you have questions comments or concerns for us you can email us at chatspod at gmail.com we are at chatspod on x or Twitter, if you're nasty. We are on YouTube now. Chats, a television podcast. Give us a subscribe. If you are listening to this, no matter what, please go on the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe. I have now uploaded every single episode from the RSS feed onto YouTube. We're getting views all up the wazoo. We're getting comments from everyone. I really appreciate the comments for people discovering like our eight-year-old podcast on YouTube. I don't know what algorithm is pushing it to them, but I'm glad for the YouTube algorithm for once. Um, so check us out there. And new episodes will be published there automatically. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you like the show. Make sure to follow us on those platforms as well. And if you have the financial means, consider supporting us at Patreon. Patreon.com slash chatspod. One, three, and five dollars a month. There are different tiers. You get different bonuses, movie commentaries, pilots, uh, hangout podcasts where we get even sillier than we've been on this one. And at $5 or more, you get everything I just said, and you get thanked at the end of every main feed episode. So as of today, our $5 patrons include Arthur, Emrys, Felicia, Jen, Justin, Kyrie, Lee, Marcus, May Louise, Magellan's mom, Nick and Pat of the Brothers at Infinite War, Noel, Six, and Stefan. Thank you for supporting Chats. All these chats can be found at chatspot.com. And if you like our main feed art, it was done by our friend Camilla. She's at Camilla Strader on social media if you want to support her work 
Last but not least, our final segment is called Chatsum, similar to the Vlasic Snacking Pickle. We recommend you something to snack on between now and next week. Magellan, can you tell me what is or are your Chatsums, please? So recently I was uh, bummed to learn that years ago I had Chatsumed Dominion and I couldn't re-Chatsum it. But since then, uh, I've accumulated a few Dominion-related Chatsums that I would like to share Ooh. with you now. So just to remind folks, Dominion... Uh, it kind of initiated or popular, popularized a board game genre called deck building, or a, it's a deck builder, which is essentially like a trading card game, except instead of trading the cards, you add cards to your deck over the course of the game, and uh, your deck gets better and better as the game goes on, is the basic premise. Ooh. Uh, I really enjoy Dominion. It's hard sometimes to find people who want to devote an hour of sitting at the same table to play Dominion with me. <laughs> and so I've started venturing into ways to play Dominion online. Um, there is a great app that's on Android, and I believe you can also play it on Steam. Um, the it, the UI is very intuitive. Uh, it's got nice UI. I don't know what my second point was going to be, but it's Dominion digitally. The downside is if you want to play with the expansions, you have to buy those expansions within the game, which is kind of a big monetary commitment. So you can also just play Dominion with all of the cards for free in your browser at dominion.games, and you don't have to pay for stuff. The UI is like a little crustier and not as animated and doesn't quite guide you as much visually through what's going on. But Dominion.games uh, is free, and you can just play it online. Oh, so this are... website is crusty. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you're either going to pay the premium for like a smoother, nicer version of it on the app, or you can just play the game there. Um, if, like me, you've purchased Dominion, maybe you've purchased an expansion, and you're like, ah, these boxes look cool but they're not very space efficient because the boxes are set up so that the cards are like kind of on display so you can pick from them menu style as you're assembling which cards are going to be in the game uh, in any given um, iteration of that game. Uh, but if you're looking for a way to arrange your cards that's much more space efficient, maybe it's not as aesthetically pleasing. You have to kind of skim through stuff to find things. But at this point, you know your cards well enough that you know what you have, you know where it is. You can check out, there's this company that I came across when uh, I went to PAX Unplugged called Folded Space. And what they do is they make board game box inserts that you can build out of this like kind of interlocking foam material. Um, and it's like precision cut. So the pieces lock together. You're supposed to glue them, but it didn't feel like I needed to in order for it to be in the box and contain everything. And they have different sized and shaped inserts for lots of different popular games that have cards and fiddly bits. And so if there's a game that you're getting to the table a lot and you're finding the boxing solution for it is frustrating. Mm -hmm. I recommend folded space. And last dominion related um chatsum is like 80 percent of my media diet in the past week have been the youtube videos of a channel called dominion cards whoa it is a channel 
with less than a thousand subscribers with a hundred and thirty ish videos. Mm-hmm. The guy recently, two months ago, posted a nearly two hour long video about his thoughts on various Dominion expansions after being silent on YouTube for like a year. Prior to that point, these are the videos I've been watching a lot of. He has these like 25 to 45 minute videos, each one about an individual card from the game and all of the strategic implications of that card being in play. Oh my God. It's awesome. It's so great. He has an extremely pleasant British accent. And the video is just like a PowerPoint presentation that he put together about that card. And (laughs) he just takes you through it for 25 minutes. And then he generates a bunch of random sets of cards with that card in it. And he talks you through like, okay, if this card showed up in this situation... You know, I might want it. I might use it in this way. I might interact with these or whatever. Right. And dog, I've been <laughs> finding myself in situations where it's like, yeah, I wonder what the Dominion cards guy thinks about gardens, about the gardens card. Yeah. yeah. I'm partway through the bandit video. What does he think about gaining golds? Yeah. I'm curious. Of course, his so, most popular video is about the seller, the worst card in Dominion. But what if it's that's, not? Yeah. You... That's his first video. Yeah. Wow, these are awesome. Someone top comment, this deserves a lot more views. It's like a well-prepared university lecture about the intricacies (laughs) of a single Dominion card. Yeah, it does feel like that, for sure. If you're not down this rabbit hole already, this might not be the way to start, but this is for the real... No, 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 no. No, this is not the starting place. Dominion's like a uh, simple game. You just like throw cards down and you get victory points. What are you talking about? This is awesome. I'm watching these later. Mm -hmm. Incredible. I have two quickies for you. Yeah, what do you got? Um, the first is a book that your that girlfriend of the podcast, Amanda, lent me. It's attached by Amir Levine and Rachel S.F. Heller. It's a book about attachment styles. It's the first long book I'm reading of 2024. Uh, it's pretty good so far. It's got a lot of like hypotheticals and you know data about where they got the different types of attachment styles. This is one of those things that's like if you know, you know. Like if you're in the sort of like love study of love world study of dating world then you definitely are intimately familiar with attachment styles this book is like the bible for that stuff um and it's the reason a lot of people know it uh it's quite well written and easy to understand if that's something you have a curiosity about i have heard that one of the critiques of the book is that it spends a lot of its time focusing on the anxious attachment style and not so much talking about the other ones because that's like the most common one for a lot of people who would, for example, read a book about attachment styles. So I'm going to give a soft chat to Attached until I read more of it. And it can give it a harder one. And then I just want to shout out a website. So I've been talking about my Simpsons hyperfixation lately, right? We all know that. And uh, what's really helped with the meme initiative, which is, again, for you, if you don't know, every time I know I see a Simpsons meme in the wild, I look up what episode it is. And I add it to a list, a big uh, spreadsheet that I have. And then I watch it. Uh, and I'm watching them in chronological order. There's a website called Frinkiac, named after Dr. Frink, F-R-I-N-K-I-A-C.com. And it is a website that indexed every single script from every single episode of The Simpsons, at least from the first, like, 10 seasons. Um, and you can type any line that you think of from any episode, and it will find you screen caps of the scene that it's from. And then if you click them, you get the name of the episode, the season and episode number, 
and you can make a meme or gif out of it and i'm like this website is wow a gold mine wow. it's incredible that somebody made it that they indexed all these scripts and that you, you can turn anything any line from any simpsons episode into a meme or gif truly truly impressive you want to know um, which uh which one i chose to search which one have you seen lisa versus malibu stacy yeah i have okay one of my favorite Simpsons jokes is when uh, Lisa's like, don't you think there's something wrong with what all your Stacys are saying? Because she's upset about the like kind of sexist stereotypes of the yeah. Malibu Stacy dolls. And then the one girl <laughs> goes, there's something wrong with what my <laughs> Stacy says. She pulls the drawstring and it goes, my spidey sense is tingling. Anybody call for a web slinger? So I just searched. There's something wrong with what my Stacy says, and it popped up. So oh my out. god, good, you have actually! I'm website. realizing that you've quoted a lot of lines at me that I'm now like, oh, that was me telling <laughs> something thing. wrong with what my Stacy says. <laughs> it's like a guy's voice. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody call for a web slinger? <laughs> god, God, it rules. So check out Freaky Yak. Even if you're bored, just hit random and they'll give you a quote and a line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. I highly recommend it. And it's making this project a hundred times easier because if I even see one in the wild, I'm like, okay, fuck, what was that? Oh, that's from that's you know uh, the episode where Homer gets fat. Um, anyways, Freaky Yak and attached are my chats this week. That's what we got, folks. We'll be back for our incredible matchup next week. And I want to say thank you to Magellan for being oh oh for being the metal gate to my stargate because he's always three nanometers away or micrometers or whatever oh um at least in my heart he is and thank you guys so much for listening to couch madness bye-bye